Bad Mechs, Thunderfox by SeanOfSana.net, the greatest wiki there is. Read by Shrapnel. All I'm saying is, if the Wobbies are gone and the good times are here, why are we retooling a mech factory in the Ascend of Moscow? Undago sighed, once again reminding his comrade that peace was never sustained without force of arms. And besides, you still want a paycheck, right? <laughs> you got that right, Milia replied with a snort. And it's in this new Republic of the Spheres script too. They haven't even got a design figured out yet. It's just numbers in a ledger on some server anyway, Undago said. I hear they'll be calling it The Stone thanks to our fearless leader. Great, I'll give you two stones for a hot dog. Milia seemed to ruminate on the sentence for several moments. I can't tell if that's an offer or a threat. Now it was Undago's time to snort with derision. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. The two silently returned to their task, configuring the massive robotic arms that would soon have Scoble mechworks churning out new mechs for the Republic Armed Forces. The facility itself was ancient, dating back to the original Star League where it would produce the Mercury and Jackrabbit for the SLDF. Then it had been Excalibur's for Comstar, then the Legacy and Omega for the Word of Blake. The Word. Undargo stared at the screen as he involuntarily recalled the occupation. The camps, the re-education treatments, being forced to work day in, day out, repairing WOB mechs as they fought tooth and nail against Stone's coalition. He remembered the word of Blake mechs that held both his and every other engineer's families hostage. And the night that the mechs turned their weapons on, Hey, you alright? Undago snapped back to reality. Yeah, 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 sorry, just remembering... Milia nodded, but said nothing. She'd had to drag Undargo out from dark memories more than once. She was usually successful, each time offering her silent support. Undargo was silently grateful, each time. What are we even making here? Milia asked. A new design. Undargo grabbed a hollow pad and brought up the schematics to show her. It's called the Thunderfox. Quadruped design. But other than that, it's a simple standard chassis and fusion engine. Off-the-shelf parts to keep Scobles per unit cost to a minimum. And the Republic gets a cheap mech that they can fill out all those busted regiments with, Millia nodded. Smart. Even smarter, Scoble didn't even have to pay for the development. And Dargo pointed at the Thunderfox's frog-like skeleton and the weapon mounts next to its angular cockpit. I've heard more than one rumour that the chassis and weapon coupling ports are essentially lifted from another design. But nobody is suing because everyone wants to play nice with Republic procurement. Or there's nobody left to sue. Milia meant it to be an offhand comment, but it sparked another memory within Nandago. Big Man froze as he stared at the Thunderfox's schematics recalling the night his family had been gunned down by a wob mech with four legs. It had a more bulbous armoured skin and rounded actuators, but the engineer in him saw the skeleton, the same weapon junctions, and the same deadly intent. Hey, are you? Before Milia could ask if he was alright, Undargo grabbed the holopad 
and brought up the schematics for the Blue Flame, a 45-ton Blakist mech. He then superimposed it atop the Thunderfox. Milia gasped as she saw the same thing that Undargo had. The two chassis were nearly identical. You were right, Undargo muttered with quiet dread. The word of Blake is no longer here to sue Scoble for copying its design. He then got up and walked away as Milia stared at the schematics. He didn't say a single word to anyone else at Scoble. He merely left his security pass at the door and never returned to work. With the destruction of the Word of Blake and the capture of Terra, Devlinstone's nascent Republic of the Sphere conveniently found itself in possession of significant mech manufacturing facilities it could use to refill units devastated in the fight for humanity's homeworld. Unfortunately, most of those facilities were manufacturing mechs that were now heavily associated with the most reviled group the Inner Sphere had ever seen, perhaps barring Stefan Ameris and the Rimworld's Republic. To ask dispossessed mech warriors to begin piloting mechs so recently taken from their villainous foes was simply not an option. In the case of the Thunderfox, a morally dubious solution was found. Rather than make a completely new mech, Scoble Mechworks would take an existing Word of Blake design and modify it so no one would assume it had been birthed by the Word. That original mech was the Blue Flame, a 45-ton trooper mech commonly seen in the Word of Blake forces during the Jihad. How Scoble came to possess the schematics of the Blue Flame was only revealed during the trial of one Lara Harmon, the lead designer of the Thunderfox. Previously an engineer at Mitchell Vehicles Interstellar, Harmon left her former employer in 3075. Whether she deliberately stole the Blue Flame's schematics in an act of corporate espionage, or merely retained them in violation of her non-disclosure agreement was never proven in court. What is known is Harmon used those schematics to quickly develop the Thunderfox for Scoble Mechworks, who then began manufacturing the mech for the Republic Armed Forces. By the time the mech's progenitor came to light, the contract had long been signed and delivery was well underway. Harmon was later convicted of war crimes and profiteering, and the Republic buried the scandal to ensure its new main medium mech would still have eager pilots. The Republic was entirely successful in burying the scandal, and the Thunderfox became the backbone of the early RAF. It was beloved by technicians for its simple construction and easy maintenance, while pilots appreciated a modern design with state-of-the-art weapons. Production would continue for half a century with the design being licensed to both Defiance Industries and Luthien Armor Works. Introduced in 3077, although full-scale production wouldn't begin until a few years later, the TFT-A9 Thunderfox had a DAV-220 rated standard fusion engine mated to a modified version of the Denebach Mitchell Series 8 chassis using standard materials instead of endosteel. Although slow for a 55-ton design at 64 kph, the Thunderfox's four jump jets gave it a degree of manoeuvrability. Nine tons of ferrofibrous armour protected the mech, with all ammunition stored in the cellular storage panel in the right torso. The Thunderfox was armed with the best weapons the Republic could source cheaply at the time of its construction. This included a Corian light gauss rifle, a diverse optic sunbeam extended range large laser, 
a diverse optics extended range small laser, and a guided technologies second generation Streak SRM4 launcher. All weapons were mounted on either side of the Thunder Fox's torso in swivel mounts. Although well liked by pilots, the Thunder Fox did see some complaints over its relatively light main weapon, the light Gauss rifle. The light Gauss rifle, produced by the Free Worlds League over a decade before the Thunder Fox's introduction, managed to achieve the same tonnage savings as the Clan did with their version of the Gauss rifle. However, the calibre of slugs fired in the light Gauss rifle was half that of a normal one, resulting in twice as much ammo being stored per tonne, but dealing roughly half as much damage per shot in return. Analysis of the light Gauss rifle's performance revealed it to have a damage per tonne ratio roughly on par with the AC-5, which was considered rather anemic by the late 3070s. It did offer a superior range though, and when combined with the ER large laser and the stability of four legs, the TFT-A9 proved itself an ideal sniper. Production at Luthien Armor Works resulted in the TFT-C3 in 3085, a C3 command mech. The light Gauss rifle and streak missile launchers were removed in favour of a C3 master computer, medium X-pulse laser and an ER medium laser. A light fusion engine was used to free up space for the cockpit command console, making the TFT-C3 excellent in both training and CNC duties. The Liron Commonwealth's TFT-L8 was introduced by Defiance Industries in 3082. This Thunder Fox opted for an XL275 engine to provide a top speed of 86 kph and make room for a heavier weapons armament, two snub-nosed PPCs and an LB-10X autocannon. An additional jump jet was installed to further improve the TFT-L8's mobility over its cousins. Production would expand into the 3100s and the design would find its way into multiple factions before Grey Monday, each with its own subtle variations. Some would alter the missile launcher in favour of additional energy weapons, while others would swap the light Gauss rifle for other projectile-based weaponry. Almost a dozen variants were known to exist by the 3130s, although their schematics can be difficult to find. Much like how the word of Blake's destruction led to the Thunder Fox, the destruction of the Republic has likely resulted in the Thunder Fox's original factory being retooled to manufacture a design less reviled by Clan Wolf mechwarriors. But with such widespread manufacture beyond terror, it seems the Thunder Fox is likely to survive well into the future. Hello everyone, Shrapnel here. I hope you enjoyed this story. Thank you Sean and thank you everyone who works at Sana. Please like, comment and subscribe. If you want to follow me on other media, I've got Instagram and Facebook and whatever else. And remember, there'll be another Bad Mechs next month. And until then, may the light of Blake be upon you.